What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Middlecoff! Hey, B! Canada, hey! Yeah, that's, you hit the under. I was wondering what you were going to go with. I thought you were going to go with... 80-yard field haves. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. We hit the under. Uh, couldn't help it. Of course not. <laughs> you know? Yesterday was a good day to be on Twitter last night. I, I tweeted I had planned to get off Twitter a little early last night, but the uh, game didn't allow it. What time do you usually sign off? There's no regular thing, but I was just like, ah, I, I got to lock in on some stuff, put the phone away just Twitter wise, but then it was just too good. It was just too much stuff was happening. It's too, too much fun on there. You know, you, t- you feel, I, I never get any FOMO in life. Like there is no possible FOMO that you can have for me with events or cool things. Twitter is the one area when something cool or funny or, or just anything happening sports wise, which is clear, like this is going to be fun that I want to go enjoy the party. And I do. Yeah. And the great part about not having FOMO on Twitter is it's so easy to just join. You don't have to go anywhere. Uh, it's very millennial. You just whoop, grab the iPhone and you're in the party. Right. You're in the party. Yep. Yeah, we were in the party. We were in the party last night. Uh, all right. A lot to get to on this Friday. Fourth pot of the week, believe it or not. Always a reminder because it, looking at the numbers, people have continued to enjoy. The uh, Greg Papa pod from last week. Go back and find that. Steve Berman. Uh, Barry, a sports guy, used a bunch of uh, Greg's quotes in an article for The Athletic that he put up uh, today, Friday. Uh, so it was fun to go back and read some of uh, our own uh, our own stuff. It's funny. We talk about this a bunch. The just quotes, like when I was talking to him, I didn't. And then you read the quotes. It's like we had two different conversations, you know. I The, the stuff he was saying, and maybe partly when you're interviewing someone because you're thinking about the next question. You're better at this than me. Like, I... It's hard for me. It's easier when I got you. But if I'm one-on-one especially, to, to take in... Like, if you're having a conver- a deep conversation with your wife, you just listen to what they're saying. 
you know, or your mom or anyone serious. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. Well, I, that's probably a bad example. But you know what I'm saying. When, you, when you're supposed to be listening, you can if you have to. During an interview, sometimes you got to be thinking like, what am I going to ask next or kind of play around. It, it, it takes a little multitasking of the brain that I, I didn't even feel like when we interviewed him. I remember the next day when you posted it, I had to go back and listen because I, I only probably, the stuff that gets registered in my brain is easily under 50% of what he's saying. Like, do you feel when you're interviewing someone and you do it a lot for games, coaches, how do you balance listening and kind of being ready to go different directions while intervening with like a, <laughs> yeah, you know, slash, <laughs> slash like the follow-up question. It, it, it is a skill, an art, and something that it's not, you're not born with. I mean, there are elements of a human that make you a better interviewer, but I, I definitely think like anything, it's, it's something, it's a learned thing over time. Yeah, right. There's the balance of you want to do a bunch of research and be ready for it to go in any direction. But sometimes the best questions are, you know, when Dan it, Patrick, I think, is one of the best. It's just like... When it just flows. How did you feel? How did that make you feel? Right. How, Howard's like that, too, with a guy. I, I was listening yesterday. Yeah, Howard, totally. Howard yeah. with Ryan Felipe. And he can just get down these rabbit holes with, with the girls he's dated. Where clearly Howard, underrated part about Howard, is he does a lot of research when he talks to a guy. Now, granted, mm-hmm. some of these humans he's known for a long time, so it's just part of his mind, right? What they've done and who they've dated and how they've lived and their movies. But he can just, in a smooth way, go from like, God, you guys were casually dating to like asking about sex positions where the guy's like dying laughing. It's, inc- it's an incredible skill. Yeah, he's very disarming. <laughs> yeah. And I think part of it is people go in there nervous. Yeah. Like, where is this going to go? Uh, he relaxes and, you at and first. He breaks that yeah. he breaks that wall down really quick. But I think some of the stuff he does too that's really good is it might not be a question that leads to more information. It might just be Howard saying, "That's wild, isn't it? Isn't that isn't that wild? Isn't that just wild when you think about it?" That's my and then and then you get more. You know? I, I'm telling you, I've never been a big like. I've had Sirius now for almost ten years, and if just Howard is talking with Robin about nor like just doing their show. It doesn't do that much for me, but you could give me basically any guest. Now, luckily, most of his guests are relatively famous. Mm-hmm. If I get a guest and I'm in the car, it's usually pretty captivating. I mean, I, I had to drop some off of my mom's yesterday, so just like a you know 45 minute back and forth, and he had Ryan Felipe on, and it was incredible. And I don't give a shit about Ryan Felipe, but it was he's just he's the best in the business, and I feel like we're probably second. Yeah, based on that interview and reading the quotes, reading the quotes, John, no doubt. But, well the, said. but the thing with Greg, it was cool. Like I think with a lot of Howard guests, we know him pretty well. We've worked with him. It was just he, he was in a good mood. He had just also had a couple of Bloody Marys and uh, just the perfect formula. Yeah, it was great. Remember when me and great. you would try to like good. interview Amari Cooper and he would give you one answer or I mean one word answers and we were just I mean you gotta you gotta be equipped, you know. And you, yeah, that you, interview you, becomes thirty-eight seconds really fast. Who was the Jimmy Jimmy Smith? Was that was that, that was, was a bad, bad one, right? But I remember a guy that's like really but open. Jimmy to being was bad. That one was not us. Yeah, it, Amari was a guy that you kind of, and I think a lot of athletes are this. Just they're not super talkative, so they'll they'll straight to the point, and you got to be ready. You can't let him carry the interview. Also, do you want to be interviewed today or no? If you don't want to, if somebody doesn't want to, like, does not want to be, like, just not going to participate, then they're not going to participate, you know? Yeah. I feel you. So, 
I feel you, anyway, dog. Go check that out. Uh, this podcast is, we've got to get Greg some of what we promised him, Ease. It's brought to you by Ease.com and EaseWellness.com. Uh, this morning, uh, Alyssa was making an order. Did you know you can order online from Costco? Instead of just going to Costco, you can order 87 rolls of t- toilet paper from Costco.com. I didn't know that, but I would have assumed that most of these companies now you can order. I told her to try and use. She tried promo code HAM. Didn't do anything because we don't have a deal with Costco. But it works at Ease.com, John, and EaseWellness.com. What's funny is any time that I order from a random place, for my first time ordering, I always type in HAM. And my other one's always VIP. Sometimes that works. <laughs> Used to work for Marriott when the NFL, their promo code was VIP. Try Summer 20. Yeah, That's a e- good one, too. E- e- <laughs> Ease.com. Uh, I actually had a delivery made last night from a very, very friendly driver. And it took him about 20 minutes, boom, in front of my house. I ordered about 8, was here by 8.25, went down. Mm-hmm. They're Uber Eats of, of marijuana. And from pre-rolls to vapes to to uh to edibles they have it all but you know a lot of people guy are into this thing called cbd and it's a it's done wonders for the older community uh parents grandparents you name it easewellness.com same deal promo code ham has it all go search uh a lot of times the the inventory changes like from day to day especially with ease but with ease wellness new things pop up you know, because we're new in this industry, so you're still gaining products, you know, from, from creams to lotions to sleep aids. You name it, they got it. EaseWellness.com, promo code HAM. Get $20 off your first purchase, over 50 bucks. Tell if you're, if you're a repeat user, that's awesome. We appreciate you supporting. Share the promo code with friends, with anybody. I mean, you're at a red light. Both people have their windows down. Hit them with a promo code HAM. Uh, this podcast is also brought to you by Sleep Number. Right now, biggest sale of the year, John, at Sleep Number. All the beds, all the beds are on sale at Sleep Number. Yep, because, guy, if you're not getting the quality sleep you deserve, I recommend my bed, the Sleep Number bed. Right now, Sleep Number stores, it's the biggest sale of the year. All beds are on sale. Queen mattresses start at only eight ninety nine. guy. That's, I don't know, you've been bed shopping, I've been bed shopping. That's mm. a hell of a deal. Uh, it is. Because here's the thing, a good night's sleep is a game changer. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts so you're effortlessly, I can never say this name, or word, mm-hmm. comfortable all night long. That's key. I mean, we all know a good night's sleep is a game changer, guy. An well, absolute game changer. Every day that passes, there's more research that says it's, it's a complete uh, game changer in your life no doubt will you love it just ask jd power sleep number is ranked number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses for 2018 award information visit jdpower.com come in during the biggest sale of the year for a limited time save 50 percent on a sleep number 360 limited edition smart bed you'll only find sleep number at one of the 575 sleep number stores nationwide to find the one nearest you it's easy you go to sleepnumber.com Slash ham. That's sleepnumber.com. Cordell Stewart. Ham. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I saw a study come across my timeline on Twitter a couple days ago, and it said the best sleepers go to bed consistently throughout a week within the same hour. Mm. So when people, you know, one night you're going to bed at nine, a couple nights later you're going to bed at midnight, those right. type people are the ones that don't have the best awareness during the week because they're worn out. It, it messes right. with your sleep patterns. Yeah. 
I've heard that too. Yeah. Easier said than done to keep it your is. consistent times. Give yourself every advantage. I know like David Shaw doesn't want 9 a.m. kickoffs. Uh, and one of the reasons is that uh, it, it, that sleep that they they just try to get their guys sleep. Sleep's really important to them at Stanford. And it's like, you know, if you're going to make a habit out of disagreeing with David Shaw, you're going to make a habit of being wrong. Well, I heard him the other day on picking up lunch, or maybe it was dinner. He was on with Tolbert. Maybe yeah. I was just driving. I don't even know. But he he said he was in favor of earlier kickoffs, just not that early. Like, he, he'd have no problem with 11. It was just the 9. And that's what I've said is the problem is football is so regimented that yesterday on my timeline at about 12.30, because the kickoff was 4, Tom Brady was walking into the locker room. I was like, Jesus, what's going on? And then he realized, well, you know, there's three-hour difference. So to him, that's 3.30. He's just getting... That you eat the pregame meal guy is four hours before. So if your kickoff's at nine and you're playing a home game at Stanford, that means you're getting these guys up at I'm no math major, but five a.m. It mm-hmm. just it just yeah. met, it just it's just asking a lot for the players. Like the coaches can handle yeah. it. But they they played uh, an eleven a.m. game a couple of years ago at home. What time does they Stan- play? What time does Stanford practice? Afternoon. Afternoon. Yeah, they practice into the evening. Because for heat or just that's just the time they practice. I mean, it's got to be class related slash sleep related slash heat related. I mean, it's not it's not that hot. I mean, they practice in the afternoon, and that's usually the hottest time, right? But they, what's weird about the California schools is the UC schools usually start a little later. And I remember my cousin Nick, who played at UCLA in the early two thousands, always said it was such a big advantage for UCLA. They'd always start like two and zero, three and zero, and he's like, "Well, we were playing all these schools." even especially out of conference, a lot of, a lot of colleges start like end of August, definitely by like September 1st. Well, if you don't start school till September 20th, you just get football, 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 and it's easier to focus. Yeah. And Stanford's he's like, that way. Yeah, and then we'd get humbled a little bit when school started. We're like some of these schools are used to it. Like is it, like the Arizona schools, I, I would imagine, start around this week, maybe next week, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Fresno State always started earlier. Stanford's late, I know that. They're late September. That's what was weird. Like, all the state schools in California started earlier, except Cal Poly. Despite being a state school, we carried ourselves like a UC, so we started later. It's We manipulated the mind, guy. We weren't as smart, but we tried to act. And, you know, if like, okay, Saban's going to do it, okay, we'll do that too. You're the University of Alabama-Birmingham. Yeah, we're going to act just like Alabama. That, that was our was- mindset. What was the word that Cam Inman used at the uh, Niner press conference the other day? I don't know. Was it a good one? Yeah, because Kyle said he didn't know it. A vocabulary word? A vocabulary word, yeah. I, I didn't see that. That's good knowledge there by Cam Inman. See, did you guys uh, did you guys have two semesters at Fresno State? Or, yeah. Or th- we had three quarters. Yeah. Which is, which a, is what the UC is Which is on, a right? UC thing, yeah. Yeah. Again, very fraudulent because we're not. We, trust me, we weren't UC level students, <laughs> especially guys like me. Uh, all right, let's some Niner things, John. I mean, this is the big story of the week in the NFL, right? Mort on Kyle and Jimmy. It should be. It wasn't the big story on Twitter last night, but this should be the big story in the NFL this weekend. Um, Chris Mortensen went on Russillo's. ESPN podcast, which I think is coming to a close. Yeah, I, has, has two I, shows I, left. I can't. I mean, it's so many places. I respect it. Um, and said that uh, 
there are some things that the Niners don't like with Jimmy. I don't think he likes what he sees. Kyle, referring to Kyle and Jimmy. Mentally, you better keep up with Kyle. I'm reading more quotes that, that I wrote down as you played me the audio earlier. I'm not sure he's a patient guy when it comes to quarterbacks. I'm anxious to see if he's the starter. I don't know. We could even play some of it if you want to. He's going to have to show a lot uh, more in different areas. So this is more – why don't we play it and listen to it together here, John, when you pull it up. But this is Mort, Chris Mortensen, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's hard to listen to this and not come away thinking the Niners might have a little bit of a problem. You got it queued up there? I'm searching. I'm like – Oh, I got the. You sent me a piece of it, so we can use that too. Scenario where Garoppolo's so bad this year, and the way the structure of the contract, even though they gave him so much money up front, which would make me think a team would still be reluctant, even if Garoppolo fell on his face. Is there any scenario more where you would see them making a decision to move on from Garoppolo? Yes. Wow. Okay. I'm glad you asked about it. Of all the guys you asked about, Garoppolo to me is is the most intriguing uh, guy because. Really quick, just to put this into context, he had gone a list. Like his the basically the the point of the entire podcast was he went through every starting quarterback and based on their contract who they are and status on the team like the likelihood that they were going to be the long term quarterback or if it was an older guy like Roethlisberger who was established like he's going to be there for at least next year under this deal type deal so he was going through he did that on that was his own take he went through basically like thirty guys and then he had Mortensen and he did a little rapid fire with, you know, some of the guys that he thought were polarizing. Mariota, Flacco, and then he kind of ended it with, I, I, I would imagine two weeks ago, Jimmy wouldn't have been his hot button, right? And so he kind of ended it with Jimmy, and that's how this conversation, duh. Is the most intriguing uh, guy, because when he was traded from New England to the 49ers, remember, he sat for a, a, a few games, but yeah. when he came out and played, he kind of lit it up, and, and I think they said, obviously, they said, well, he's our guy. Let's go ahead and you know, deal with the contract situation now and give him the money. Uh, but I do believe, you know, listen, the, obviously he hurt his, you know, towards ACL early in the season last year. And, uh, but I think there's been some other things that they don't, I don't think that Kyle Shanahan likes what he sees. Uh, and, what are we talking and, about there, prep, day-to-day? Like, well, I'm mean? not sure if it's prep or whether it's a grad. You know, Kyle starts? is. I think he's one of the top three <laughs> yes. offensive coordinators in football, you know, and and, and uh, I don't know if I name them all. You put Josh McDaniels in there certainly, but I, I think Kyle's right there, and uh, I think he's still a guy. Even though he has his offense, he's always wants to evolve. And mentally, you better be able to keep up with Kyle. And Kyle, you know, he's. He, I'm not sure he's a patient, patient guy, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. And they're they're at a point where they want to win. I mean, John Lynch and, and and Kyle Shanahan are kind of tied at the hip there. And I'm anxious to see what happens at the start of the season with Garoppolo if they don't think he's Whoa. ready. Say what? That's where Rosillo was like. You can hear it got quiet for a second. He's like, what? Wait, what? You want me to keep going or is that enough? No, I think it's enough. Okay. Go listen to Rosillo's pod. But um, – Rosillo's probably like, well, actually, it doesn't matter because it's disappearing in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I just – that's uh, – we, we, we've had an intense couple weeks. There's no way around yeah. it. My, my overall takeaway from this – because I had some people tweeting at me like, what, what do you think this means? I think at the end of the day, the, the analogy I used earlier to you when we were just BSing before we got on the podcast, like if, I, if I'm 
you know, Mick Jagger, lead singer in a band, and I get a guitarist, which I'm very dependent on, like, the lead guitarist, and he starts fucking up my music, I'm mad. Like, I'm the lead, the head honcho here. Like, Kyle is more than just the head coach. It's one thing when you read, like, Zimmer's frustrated and Kirk Cousins, and we've talked about this before, like, they were trying to tweak shit all offseason. Like, Zimmer's just the head coach. He's not the play caller. That's what makes, like, Kyle, and when you see Gruden going nuts... And Bill O'Brien going like there the offense is their baby. So when when you throw five picks in practice, it's one thing if you're the head coach and you're the defensive guy. Like if that's Parcells or Zimmer, like deep down he's like, fuck yeah, we had five straight picks in practice. Coverages mm-hmm. I'm calling. You you try to do that on my on my zone robber, uh, you know, switchy switchy gap A blitz, you know? Good luck there, buddy. But that's not so when you get the, the excitement a defensive coach has, because you better believe when the door's shut and Robert Sala's meeting the next day and they're watching practice, how fired up is everybody? You don't fuck with us, <laughs> right? Well, Kyle, it's embarrassing for him. To me, that's a reflect. Jimmy's struggles are a reflection of him. So in his frustration, and I think Ryan goes, well, is it prep or... It's clearly not. I don't think it has to do with working hard or understanding the offense. It might be a little understanding the offense that it's just so overwhelming. And you had the famous one-on-one interview. I remember you tweeted it way back in the day, like of Matt Ryan. Like it, it can be overwhelming. Now you go, well, Jimmy's been here for a while. He has, but he's never really played. So I think Kyle, for the first time, is thinking, well, you should know the offense as well as me. You've been here now two years. Uh, and I'm expecting a lot, but then there's also this elephant in the room of all this pressure, and as you said earlier this week, there are a lot of people now itching just because it's natural for us in the media cycle when you pay a guy and it goes, there were a lot of people on the fence like, did he really deserve to get paid? Without any of the context of why they had to pay him and the situation they were in, but the, the, as Cedric Entertainer, what he famously say, I wish a motherfucker would. Like a lot of people are hoping. I wish a motherfucker would be in my seat. A, a lot of people are kind of rooting. They wouldn't mind seeing Jimmy throw a couple picks Saturday. And I, I think at the end of the day. But white people are like, I hope nobody's in my chair. <laughs> yeah. Sir, I, I, I paid for one B and one C. You're in my <laughs> chair. That Kyle is. I go back and watch the Kings of Comedy. That Kyle, I, I, I think he's. It's a reflection of him, guy. So when you fuck up his offense, that's his offense. And that's just that's an offensive coach. So I, I, I think Chris Mortensen is not just middle cop throwing takes around. He's talking to people. So I also think it's, it's it'd be weird if Kyle wasn't mad. This is his offense. Jimmy's been here forever. And Jimmy looks like shit, guy. He's throwing picks in practice. I saw, and one of the things on that podcast... When, when it first opens, they're, they're making fun of different people at ESPN, like who's the most self-deprecating. And they ended up on either Tim Hasselback or Orlowski. And Rosillo's like, well, if you're Dan Orlowski, you kind of, like, you better be self-deprecating. You can't walk in there and act like you're Troy Aikman or something. But they said it was pretty funny that Orlowski's like, I'm Dan freaking Orlowski. I guess he said this on Get Up. And in my 10-year career, I've never thrown five straight picks in practice. Kind of saying, like, I was shitty and I didn't do that. Like, that's... That is alarming for NFL people, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's, you know. He, he thought that that was more alarming than like his shitty game performance. Well, that's where I think this comes into play, right, is you, it's not as if the way he played against the Broncos the other day was total opposite of the way he's been in practice, even aside from the five pick day. I mean, I don't, I've, there haven't been that many practice reports or you've been to practices 
where you read what people are saying, and it's like Jimmy is slicing and dicing. Five picks or not, like that's not been what's well, been happening. I, I think Santa last Clara. week the the thing too was he threw five picks in practice. Then either the next day or two days later, they flew to Denver, and he was terrible again. Like He had a bad first joint practice in Denver. So he went from really shitty against his own team to then go to Denver, and he looked awful. And then obviously a couple days later in the game, it, we all got to see it. You know, it's one yeah, thing. I, I think when you read practice reports, you're like, well, you know how these guys can be. They're out there a long time. You, you can nitpick whatever you want. It's easier to not, not discount stuff. But just be like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. I, I think the game, once the game happened, anyone with any common sense goes, has everyone been telling the truth? <laughs> like, is this really that shitty? That, that's what hit for me. And I've been to a couple of practices. I just don't make that much of practices. I obviously wasn't there for the five pick day. But I, I just didn't put that much stock into it. I'm not going to lie, guy. I started putting a lot of stock into everything that everyone's been saying. You know, that kind of felt like hyperbole a little bit and just overhyped. I, I think a lot, I, 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 it almost validates everything that's been said, almost, what I witnessed on uh, when I was at Monday Night Football. Right. Yeah, I, I feel for all of the, you guys are over, uh, like we were kind of having fun, but kind of, but there was an element to it that was serious after that game on Monday night. And I think this only validates a lot of that, that, you know, as we said, I think the bottom line point after the after the game Monday was, at the end of this all, like, we're laughing about it. How much does it matter? It's not that many throws. Is Kyle Shanahan happy right now or not with the way his offense performed? The answer is not. And it's not like, oh, it's cool. We'll figure it out. Like, no. He doesn't have time to fi- – this is the figure out time. Now, is Jimmy – is the fact that he's coming off an ACL a factor? Maybe. But, again, like, that's not all of it. And whatever's going on, to hear to – hear, uh, Mort say mentally you have to be able to keep up with Kyle like that to me is not some scout who's mad talking to Mort like Mort's talking to somebody who really knows what's going on and when you watch it it doesn't feel like Jimmy's operating at uh, maximum capacity or maybe this is maximum capacity and you know early on when he came to the 49ers Kyle gave him a watered down version and things were going better and now it's time to build to the next level well they did they did and they're not getting there right well, i mean that's the only way they could have done it initially well they they were but now open- it's time to go to the next level here here's the let me just say this too like to your point on it being embarrassing whatever for Kyle like this is his offense if Kyle's quarterback can't be really good then what is the point of the whole thing like cuz he's not here for defense he's here for offense and he's here to make Debo Samuel better and he's here to make every running back he's got better but none of that stuff works if his quarterback can't do what he wants him to do it's not like it's his first round receiver who's not producing fine we'll work around that you can't work around this well to me interceptions at the end of the day I can live with them if you're throwing four touchdowns but it's hard if you're consistently throwing interceptions to win now you have to eventually throw some to me and Rosillo talked about this on the podcast there is a fine balance of guys that push the envelope. Like, Jameis is kind of an interesting case. Like, his statistics, he's actually been pretty one of the better down-the-field throwers, but he also throws a lot of picks, but he's also near the top of the league in explosive plays. So, like, one of his best attributes is not being afraid, but it also gets him in trouble. And that's why you probably go, well, I think Bruce probably the perfect guy to balance that because that's kind of what he wants to do too, but he wants to do it in an efficient way, where Kyle just ha- gives you the blueprint. Now, his blueprint probably looks like 
something you'd get from an engineering degree at Stanford or Harvard. Like you give it to me or you, or even just your your run of the mill quarterback, it's really intense. It probably overwhelms a lot of people. Where I think does that make maybe make a little more sense why he likes CJ Beathard? Is there a chance that CJ Beathard they just speak the same language? Like if there's two people in the room speaking Chinese and you walked in, you don't know what they're saying, and that's the equivalent sometimes on a different level, like if C.J. Beathard and Kyle are speaking Chinese and Jimmy comes in, he can understand half of it. And maybe they're like, bro, you've been here just as long. Why, why can't you understand everything we're saying? And I think deep down, this is where the scouts, this is where we, you know, there's some, there can be some frustration. It goes, Kyle, I don't give a shit what he can't figure out. One, someone tweeted at me last night, like, I've never heard he has struggled with his football IQ. And my response was simple, like, you don't last that long with Belichick and Tom and the way they talked about him. And it was clear Bill liked him being dumb. Like, you, that's that to me is Harvard. Like, if, if Kyle now is Stanford of the West, right, his playbook and what he demands, that to me is Harvard graduate school or Harvard law in New England. And they've always talked about it that way, right? Like, how intense the offense is, just how the whole thing, the verbals, the the on the lines everything it it is like a master class in football. Is it possible that what we're talking about is not his ability to understand what's happening when they're going through the playbook, but now all of a sudden maybe the injury things are slowing down a little for him on the field or speeding up a little for him on the field, and he's not processing. Well, what's what's our famous uh, our main man's famous saying? Lorenzo Niels. Do you remember the saying? Uh, no. <laughs> the pressure. Uh, it, it can burst pipes or make diamonds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I, I, I do think it's human nature, even really smart people. And I can't even imagine. Like, Jimmy had pressure on him last year, but it was positive pressure. Like, everyone's like, oh, it's 5-0. and oh, They're going to be really good. It was kind of a, just a weekly blow job. Now, for the first time, you could argue in his career, guy, where even when he filled in for Tom, he was like filling in for Tom. Like, Tom eventually was coming back. It was, a, it was a short term. You get to show what you got, and he did a great job. But he, he didn't even finish get to the finish line because he only made it through a game and a half. Where now it's like, okay, you've really made a lot of money now because we've already paid you. Of that 70 and true guarantees, What do you, what, how much money do you think Jimmy's already received? 45 of it? 50? So he's, he knows how much they've already paid him, and he starts thinking, God, I haven't done shit. I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes. And then you got Kyle which is always operating at like, it's different because I think Belichick, when he's on your ass, he clearly knows, like Belichick's going to know the offense. But I think Belichick, when he talks to players, it's like a more about bigger picture stuff because he does have Josh to do the the intricacies of the offense. So like Bill's pressure's a little different. It'd be like a grandfather around you where you feel it, but it's he's looking at you for different things where Kyle is kind of micromanaging you because at the end of the day, he is the offensive coordinator while he's your head coach. And you feel the weight of the world on all the money. And I, I just think you just... Ugh. I, I honestly think... Do you think the ACL... Are you are you putting the ACL into this equation? No, not? because I've watched him and I, I don't think... I, I don't know if that's in his head at all. And again, it, maybe it is. I, I, I'll like use Derek last year as an example. I think Derek... When you watch him this year, I think Derek's much more confident and just much more at ease. He's just used to being around John. He's used to being rich. Where last year, I think he felt a ton of weight on his shoulders. Like, I got I to gotta impress John. They paid all this money. I came off a shitty season. 
with Del Rio. And where you see him this year, it's just like, fuck, I know the offense. Just relax. Well, that's what's weird about Jimmy. It's like, does he not totally know the offense or is it more pressure? And Eileen is just, he's just pressing, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, why, I go, that's why I say, like, I don't know if it's based on the history he has with Belichick about whether or not he's speaking English in the room and everyone else is talking Chinese. I think it's more what you're saying that maybe, and maybe just, I mean, he hasn't really seen live bullets in a long time because maybe that's where the injury factors in. But th- th- this is where I would say though, Kyle, if your guy is pressing, you are 100%. the head coach. It's on you to relax it. Yes, this is part, absolute, totally. It's not on you to make him feel, this is where I go back to like screaming at Nathan Peterman. Ain't helping Nathan Peterman. No, but you, like I just I watched two minutes of Hard Knocks and I went. If you want the most out of Nathan Peterman, that's not the way to get. But but do you notice who he doesn't scream at? The only guy that matters, <laughs> you know. Right. So T- totally. And, and, I'm just saying. Part your point is right, which is part of knowing players is understanding you can't treat them all the same. But I, now, I also think he's screaming at Nathan Peterman, knowing he's going to cut him, so it doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah. Trying to get the most out of him. I, yeah, I'm just saying. Like I watched the hard, now John knows Nathan Peterman better than me. This isn't even about Nathan Peterman. It's to say, if your players aren't maximizing their ability, that is partly on the coach. Yeah, because to to me, Kyle's issue, he ain't screaming at guys. It's like, Kyle, maybe it's you just to go back to Chapter 4 instead of trying to be on Chapter 28, right? Let's just, what's the most basic level sometimes of sports when you hear a coach? Like, remember, Steve Kerr showed up to Golden State. They were just coming. I guess they hadn't done that much yet, but they were pretty good. And I remember reading an article like years ago when Iguodala was like, what the fuck's this guy's deal? He was making us do like normal bounce passes. And they all it thought the it first was practice. They all thought it was weird. But it was the first practice. But then like they looking back, they completely understood it. And I think sometimes like Jimmy gets back and Kyle just breaks out into a full on sprint and now he's moving so at rapid speed that it's hard for him to slow down. And I do understand where Kyle's coming from, but at the end of the day when you're the coach, it is on you. And this is where having seen firsthand and just I think I think Andy is the best in the league at this because it it's not about Andy. That, that's what makes I think Andy so special. It's like he doesn't need his ego pumped. Like he he just needs his quarterback. To, like they just need to be on the same page. Whatever that takes. Whatever. And I think you watch Nagy and Doug. They clearly are really good with that too. Like look how easily it was for Doug to go to Foles and just change the off. Like they just the, the way those guys talk about quarterbacks because it's not like ego. It's about what does it take to whoever we have? Like they'll change their offense, and this is where I think the knock would be on Kyle. He only has the one pitch, his offense, which historically is a great offense. But like he, everything builds off that base of the offense. We're like, what is Nagy, Andy, and Doug's offense? Because you can watch all three of them; they do similar shit. But they all do a lot of different stuff. I, I wouldn't say like they have like the core of well, they just run the outside zone play action. That's that's the Kyle staple where you'd say those three guys. Now that's what McVay does and does it successful. But but they always talked about like he's really good with Jared, right? That they're just there's not much ego involved. And I feel sometimes with Kyle, there's a little maybe ego is the wrong word, but just you know what I'm saying? Stubborn stubbornness. Is it stubbornness or just lack of ability to change? Yeah, maybe stubbornness is the right word. I don't know. I yeah. I do know what you're saying. I I'm with you. I don't know if stubbornness is the right word. It's maybe it's just his personality. Where like McVeigh, like whatever. What do we need to do to work? Where Kyle goes, we're doing this to work because this is always work. K 
catch, catch up. A, a little chippish, but at, a, at an NFL higher level. What do you make of the comment, uh, I'm anxious to see if he's the starter? That's what Mort said. Uh, that's insane. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. That Now, is there any part, is this at yeah, all? Yeah, I mean, guys, they start 0-4 three... and he's got awful. Like, he will get benched. Like, that's... Yeah, but he, I think he was talking, like, early in the season. Well, if they, um, I'm telling you, if they went 0-4 and Jimmy... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, but that's that didn't feel like the way he was saying it. Yeah, I, I think there is no chance on God's green earth if Jimmy Garoppolo is is living, not starting week one. Zero. No matter, he could throw seven picks this game Saturday night. Now, if he, yeah, honestly so, though, guy, what if this Kansas City game he throws multiple picks? It, it, the conversation is coming up. Like, are we one hundred percent sure he's starting? And the answer is yes. But we got a problem on our hands if you're Kyle. Y- yeah, I but is I wonder if any of this is part of the is any of this connected to why there's three quarterbacks on the roster potentially when the season starts? Uh I would say no just because like on a lot of teams that you look around, you go, "Well, they have three quarterbacks because one guy was their backup the last couple of years and the other guy has been bouncing around the practice squad." One of the reasons these three quarterbacks are kind of like the, the, these three quarterbacks don't feel like Glennon and Peterman. One, both of them started a bunch of games the last couple of years, and then mm-hmm. Mullins kind of supplanted the draft pick. But the draft pick was a high enough draft pick that you know most teams hold on probably a little too long. If to me, if CJ had been a six round pick and Mullins had been an undrafted free agent, I'd be like, "What we're doing? What are we doing?" But I, I, I do understand fundamentally. You did take this guy in the third round. Kyle really likes him. It does make sense why they're all around. Like I, I think they kind of have a unique situation. Like it, it was easy for Howie to go. Cody Kessler means nothing to us. He stinks. With Sudfeld down, we need to go give Josh McCown four million dollars to come out of retirement. Right? That's the Niners have these two guys they feel really comfortable with. They were already there and have already played. And that was another thing Rosillo talked about. It was actually an interesting point. Was and I hadn't really thought about it this way. For all the bitching and moaning running backs do about not getting paid, the one great part about playing the position of running back, even if you're not even a starter in the league, is you're going to get reps. You're going to get film. You're going to play on Sundays if you're an NFL guy. Like, how many draft picks of starting quarterbacks, you know, from college that never get a chance to start in the NFL or even may get a stand- chance to start like one or two games, like a Peterman or a Glennon? Glennon's probably a bad example, but more like Peterman's. Mullins, like there's a chance Mullins out of the league in a couple years. Like they just siphon through these guys because then you draft a guy in a couple years, and yeah. they never get that much chance beside the month of August. They they really once the season starts because the majority of starters, it's only one position plays right. It's kind of like kickers. There's not as much turnover as you think, even though there are a bunch of names. Like yeah, so it's fewer guys make twenty five million, but more guys make league minimum. Get get active roster bonuses. But my, my point that is that those guys just kind of just disappear. They're just the, no, no, no. I know. I'm saying running backs. Oh, fewer oh, guys yeah, yeah, make yeah, twenty five yeah. mil, but there's more guys making. The, the guy, just there's more guys making like one and a half, two. Like the Telvin Coleman's making four. There's guys like that all over the league. The equivalent of Telvin Coleman doesn't really exist as a quarterback, right? But like, there, there's a small percentage, like Teddy. Josh McCown, what Foles was in Philly, that you feel very, you're like, yeah, I'll give the guy five or six million, no problem, do I back up? And then there's a drop off, that's from like 33 to 36, or maybe even 38, maybe we could say five guys, Tannehill, 
And then there's a group from like 38 to whatever it would be, 64, where it's just a cycle. And I bet a lot of those guys think, well, fuck, I never even got a chance in a real game. You looked at my preseason shit, it wasn't that bad. I never, if you just would have put me with the ones. And honestly, some of them might have a point. Right. And, but it's a, hard, a lot it's of hard them don't. to flash if you're one of those guys because your speed is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Right. Who you're throwing to in your offensive line. Now, who your offensive line matters if you're running back, too, but. You make two or three nice runs. But you're quarterback 38. You make three nice throws. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And, and I think how you many people. You make three or four ninth runs. Somebody's like, you know what? If I could just use that guy for seven plays. Well, it's kind of like. Let's go uh, get him. If you ever talk to a baseball guy that spent some time in the minor leagues, they're like, God, it's, you're so dependent on what organization you're in. Because if I play left field and for whatever reason, you know, they don't, my team doesn't make a bunch of trades and like use me as bait to get other players, and I just stay in the organization even if I'm playing well, well, if Christian Yelich is our starter, or whoever, X guy, I'm just not going to get a shot. Where I see these other guys get traded and get a shot and then have a career that I knew I was better than, where how yeah. many quarterbacks, like Nick Mullins might say, Nathan Peterman, Nick Mullins is a bad example because he already started some games, but like th- there are a bunch of players that go, God, Peterman got a bunch of starts in the league. So at the end of the day, even if his career ends after this preseason, he did get to play a decent amount of games where a lot of guys never got a chance to even dress guy, mainly because now in the NFL, they only keep two quarterbacks. So the third guy, that's what makes the 49ers kind of unique if they do keep three, is they might be the only team in the league that does that. But there's a decent chance that if the Niners keep three, they are the lone team in the NFL that keeps three. Because I think if we look last year... I don't know. Did Philly do it with Sudfeld and Foles? I think they might have put Sudfeld on practice squad, but I have to go back and check. But I don't think it was a high list guy. Did did uh, Seattle do it at one point in the last couple of years? No, because they never even had a backup really. Uh, you be you're gonna be hard pressed to think. Oh, New Orleans. Did New, or- did New Orleans do well, it last but year? I, do was you Teddy can, active? Yeah, but do you count that other guy? Because he's no, a, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like if that's what uh, it takes. Be like, well, if you want to draft, you know, keep three quarterbacks, the dude has to be able to play punt protector, uh, wing back, and be able to throw. You're like, well, that guy. How many Taysom Hills exist? Think about that. That's what it takes to get a third quarterback. Yeah, well, Taysom Hill led our special teams in tackles. <laughs> You're like, well, uh, I'm pretty sure Peterman ain't fucking covering a kick. Did the Giants have? Did the Giants have like Eli and like Davis Webb and? Yeah, I think they only like had- Gino or something. I don't think Davis Webb was on the team. Or no, he was. He was on the practice squad. He okay. maybe that that could be it. I don't know. But your points down. They, they did draft him again. We're talking about yeah, three or four examples maybe. Yeah, the rosters from last year isn't going to disprove your point. Um, all right, so so there's that aspect of just kind of the buildup. And then there and I, the but game, I also say is, the difference on Davis Webb is you drafted him in the third or fourth round. He had never played yet. So you keep him. I, I can understand that, even if I'm a fan. Well, yeah, we can't cut this guy. He might get claimed. To me, it's harder for the Niners. Well, I've seen CJ and Nick in, in action, right? So what you're keeping, if you do keep CJ as a third, we, we've seen this party. Right, this guy wasn't a third round pick that's never played. Because if that was the case, you'd be like, okay, I, I get it. But that's not the case here. We we've seen it. We got the evidence speaks for itself. Yeah. Except for Kyle, uh, where he says he's a big play machine. But in the end, like 
if either one of those guys is playing, we got a we got bigger fish to fry. The Niners got big problems. They play five o'clock Saturday night. Uh, we know the Chiefs are going to play starters. I think the way Cal put it, a half's worth of plays is what Jim the starters are going to get. What Garoppolo is going to get. He'd love for them to get a half's worth of plays in a quarter. It means they're moving the ball. But uh, you know, some of the, there was one quote from Jimmy, like when you talk about you feeling heat. Uh, I think let me read you this quote real quick. It was, "You can crumble up and go into a fetal position and surrender, or you can go out and fight." And I read that quote, and all I thought was, "This is August twenty third. Like the team, like that. I read that <clears throat> quote when you're like two and five, and you have to go unbeaten to make the playoffs. If you would have told me which quarterback oh in the Bay Area would should be getting really weird really fast, it would have been a no brainer, Derek. And it's been the complete opposite. Derek feels like way more stable. And he immediately, and the, Arizona might be the worst team in the league, but Derek looked like what the worst team in the league quarterback, a good quarterback would do. He went three plays down the field and they fucking scored a touchdown. Where Jimmy would Jimmy would pay right now a hundred grand for that to be his first drive in Kansas City, right? He would do anything for his first drive to look like Derek's. Like Jimmy's... Jimmy's thing's getting a little out of control publicly right now with people just like, God, is this guy good? The narrative has completely changed, and I, I can't say that I think it's unfair. Like, he's not doing himself any favors with his play. His coach is not doing him any It's as much as it could be a disaster without, there's not going to be, they're not going to cut him. They're not, he's going to play. It's kind of a disaster right now. That, that is undeniable that the Niners yeah, I think- have a disaster that there's no chance. When they went to summer break, that they this would have like it, no way it was going to be this bad. You, that's why you pay Kyle seven and a half million and Jimmy twenty seven, right? That's thirty five million dollars worth of like the one thing you'd say about the Raiders for all their weirdness and they got we'll get into their fucking game last night and AB. The one thing you'd say it feels kind of stable and I wrote about this on the Athletic is the ten million they're paying John and the twenty five Derek so that's thirty five million about the same amount that Jimmy and Kyle are getting paid. Their quarterback. OC feel like they're on the fucking same page right now, guy. That is not the case here. And, and you're going against, beside McDaniels and Brady, is there a better combo right now than than old Mahomes and Big Red? Because I'd say no. I mean, Coward kind of went on a rant yesterday. Like, if you're looking for the next Belichick-Brady, like, Andy's widely considered the top two or three coach. The Belichick-Brady thing is finite. It's going to come to an end either this year or the next couple of years. Like, it's not, it doesn't have a five-year shelf life. That's just impossible because he'd be 40. Like, it's, there's a decent chance this is the last year of it. That Andy and Mahomes, as, as scary as it sounds, they haven't really scratched the surface. Think about that. Like, yeah, their numbers may change, but, like, his understanding of everything could quadruple. Because upstairs... I would imagine Andy would tell you this. Like, right, he was good last year, and he knew the offense and everything. But he, his room for growth of just the mastery of it is 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 high. Yeah. Look, I don't know if the bigger issue is Kyle and Jimmy being on the same page, or Jimmy. What we don't know yet is if it's that or Jimmy feeling the heat, and how does he respond to the heat? I mean, when I read a quote about you don't roll into the fetal position, you respond. What that says is you are feeling the pressure that is out there. Whether you think the pressure is legit or not, some people on Twitter think one preseason game is too soon. But reading that quote tells me, no, it's not. And then you hear more, and it says, no, it's not. So for me, part of this is just about 
whatever it is that he's got, does this turn into a, you know, you turn on Hard Knocks the first episode, and the second you see Nathan Peterman, what do they do? They show Nathan Peterman throwing five picks and a half. It's like, is this something that he overcomes and just is able to get back to the, the baseline where whatever his capabilities of are, whatever his capabilities are, he can get there with Kyle? Or is he going to be getting in his own way because of the contract, because of getting porn star shamed on the internet, because of the ACL, because of all the attention, because of the pressure, because of Kyle breathing down his throat? All this stuff, like, does that prevent him from becoming as good as he can be right or there's another category which is well maybe we were too high on him to begin with I don't know but um, I do think that how he reacts in this game is going to tell us something about him I, I, I don't think it's really arguable that he needs to throw a couple touchdowns Sunday or Saturday night if he plays the entire half or at least have just some big time throws and definitely if you play a half I, you need to get a touchdown like, it, it, he's got to play well. There can't be a, a more anticipated preseason game of the year. No, I'm like a guy coming back off the injury or whatever. Beside the game fucking last night that I couldn't wait to watch that turned into the a scrimmage on in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if people realize it yet, John, but that's why we say, like, we start, this is the bit, like, if Jimmy Garoppolo's not good, then this is one of the biggest stories in the NFL for this season. Big because time. now it starts affecting is... You know, Kyle Shanahan. Well, if Jimmy Garoppolo's not good, the team's not good. We know that, right? Right. And then if the team's not good, you're drafting a quarterback in the first round next year. And if that now you got now Kyle's on the clock. I mean, you got all this stuff where it's like it just seemed a little stable, and all of a sudden if Jimmy's not good, all the stuff you thought was stable isn't nearly as stable as you thought. Well, remember the curveball there was Plus we thought he was good. Well, there was, so there's yeah, that there was too. a topic of like the one curveball could be if, if Cousins disappoints in Minnesota that they could be willing to trade and the Niners cut him and then trade for Cousins. Again, I'm not trying to overreact to Cousins in the preseason, but I just watching them, their team so good, and just talking to buddies in the league, I I would be a little surprised if the, if the Vikings don't make the playoffs this year. Like to me, they feel like a minimum of ten win team. Like he's like he'll probably be their quarterback next year. Like he's not going to be available. I, I think. Th- I think it's more likely that Jimmy Garoppolo is not on this team next year than Kirk Cousins is not on Minnesota. Their team's just too good. Minnesota is. Like, they're just – they're fucking good. I mean, I, I – Yeah, where are they going to find the next guy? If, even if they're looking for him, that's ready to at least just keep the baseline above To me, the only way if they have compete. a disaster season, which would floor me, I, I would be shocked, like a five- or six-win team, and they fire Zimmer, and the new coach just wants to, I don't know, clean house. But I, I, I'm telling you, guy, you just watch them play. You go, well, they got Thielen Diggs. They have the running back from Florida State, and then their defense is awesome. Like, how, how are they gonna? How are they not a playoff team? Like, it, it was pretty shocking last year that they weren't a playoff team, right? That was one of the bigger shocking things in the league. They were just in the conference championship game. So that, my, my point is that's not going to be on the on the table. The Niners need this to. They need this to work. They need it to work. And it kind of starts Saturday night. And I would imagine the elephant in the room in all these meetings is like, let's start fucking fast. Like, this is a game plan, like, <clears throat> Kyle, let's just find a way to score some points. So Remember the conversation about whether or not he should play in the preseason? Aren't you glad he did? Because I've seen some people like, well, just, yeah. you shouldn't have it exposed to this. No. this You need to – if this is this would have happened week one, he throws three picks and you lose by 20, that's a way bigger disaster. Now, that'd still be a disaster now, 
but at least we kind of saw it coming. <laughs> like now, like you, you guys need to figure this out. I, I, I never want to be in denial about something. I want to know about it. Like, especially if I'm a coach, it's the way I live my life now more than ever. Uh, especially the older I get, like that, I don't have time. I don't have time to waste. So, like, if Aaron Rodgers struggles week one, let's say against the Bears, that's not really that weird. Like, yeah, whatever. He'll figure it out. Like, there's no more like. Jimmy doesn't, to me, get the benefit of the doubt anymore of, yeah, he'll figure it out, which is crazy. Shows you, and that's the great part about sports. Shit changes fast. And I think well, yeah, the, the, yeah, the counter would be on Jimmy. I think the counter on Jimmy would be someone would look at you that was that thought Jimmy was overpaid or whatever. Like, it's crazy you ever gained the benefit of the doubt to begin with. He had had 10 career starts, and I think that would be fair. Like, to me, the, the counter arguments on Jimmy are all fair. And honestly, you could argue that Oh, absolutely. Right. And I think the whole time – when we were in support of the contract, it was because we think he's good, because we think he's going to be good, not because we know he is proven to be good. Like when Derek got paid, Derek had stacked together. This, his second year was pretty solid, and his third year was excellent. It was easy. You had a, a large body of evidence, and you could just, it was easy to chalk it up, right? Oh, it was a freak ankle injury. Jimmy's was a pretty big stretch, especially for older school football people. That when money, like that is a lot of money. I know in this day and age of pro sports, people are like, oh, 70 million guaranteed. Look, fuck, James Harden makes 50 a year. Yeah, it's, it's a little skewed in the NBA. Because I think often we compare it to the NBA. It's like, yeah, that's the NBA people. Jordan was making 25 in 1997 when Emmett Smith was averaging, like the best player in the league, averaging like $3 million a year. They've always made more, their top guys. 70 million is still a lot of money, guaranteed, truly guaranteed. Like the 100 million Matt Ryan got is a lot of cash. Sometimes we talk about in pro sports, like, oh, they're offering Zeke $40 million. It's not that much. That's a shitload of money. And he's already got 30. So let's add that up. That's 70. You know? So right. I, I think that they gave him a lot of money banking, like most optimistic people, that he was going to be really good. And so far. It- but the only thing that matters now with his money is A, does it prevent him from succeeding because it's in his dome? And B, if it does. Can you walk away from him pretty easily? And the answer to that is yes, right? But like, that's what I, I think the now. bigger issue now is just as this conversation stays, if they're forced to walk away from him, it's one of the bigger disasters in, in 49er history, guy. I think it's fair to say that. It would be an yeah. absolute disaster. Now, you could say you took, right. you, they took a calculated risk, and the calculation, the, the calculator was wrong. We were all wrong, and I, we'd be wrong. I support. Yeah, I mean, the if 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 he's not good, then the odds are that Kyle Shanahan, you would take the under on two and a half more years as the 49ers quarterback. I mean, uh, quarterback, coach. Yeah, because it, you could just find yourself, well, so are we talking next year's another Brian Hoyer type situation and your team sucks, so you, are we four straight years? Have you just drafted in the top ten? Because that's, are you just Gus Bradley? Is that what he is, Gus Bradley? Because that's what Gus Bradley was in uh, in Jacksonville. Every year drafting the top ten. Hell, I think like in the top five. So if Kyle drafts in the top five or top ten this year again, whether it's Jimmy sucks, whether Jimmy gets hurt, like we're we're heading toward Kyle not being the coach here that much longer, right? Right. Yeah. Just that simple. So that's why he's hard on Jimmy. Yeah, it's, it's time to it's time to win some games. Wait a second, I paid you. I I I the quarterback and the coach are connected at the hip, as Jack Del Rio once said in a post game celebration. Uh, I, 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 as crazy as this sounds, I, I, I think it's borderline must win, given the way their schedule is week one, just to kind of calm the waters. 
Now, I don't mean like it must make the playoff, like all this other stuff, but he's going to, they need to win against Tampa Bay. It's big for Kyle and Jimmy. It's big for him. I, I, you know, I always, I do this all the time when we start talking about seasons and games. Like, how does it look is going to matter a lot. How does Jimmy Garoppolo look is going to matter a ton. But, I mean, you can look. How does but the if team you, look? But if you, if you look good and you lose, people are going to have the same old season and win six games. That's what. I don't know. That, again, I, I'm not sure. I, to me, how it look, how I got to see it. I, I'm, and then I'm going out on a limb right now. I got Tampa's must win if they're going to be a good team this year. Okay. I mean, I can't. There's nothing to argue with there. I, yeah. I, I just think that I, good teams would go to Tampa and win. And I, right now, I don't feel very good about it. I actually think the line's off. It's like the Niners only getting – or the Niners are getting plus one. Like to me, they should be easily – they should be minus three. I just – one thing, too, it's weird is we just know week one of the NFL season is often weird. That's why. There's just a number of factors. I can't go there. But I do think it mat like it matters. It's worth just as much as the game you play week eight. So, yeah, I don't – I'm not dismissing It's worth take. as much, but there's no way I can think, like, God, you can't beat Tampa week one where you've had all offseason – the team that's really not great, and then I'm going to expect you just to be good. It just it just start adding up. Like, yeah, it's just the same old shit. Maybe Again, maybe, but I, I don't expect anything. I don't know what I would – they go there and lose week one. It doesn't mean I expect them to make the playoffs, but I don't really know what to expect right now with them to begin with. I, all I'm saying is how it looks is going to matter a ton to me, how they look. Yeah, see, I, I'm not expecting much either, guy. My point is, like, I expect them kind of to lose now. I expect them to lose week one, so I will. I will be. Sh- I'll be impressed if they win, and they'll be like, okay, this maybe the all, all this shit in the preseason didn't mean as much as we thought. They'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. The uh, the Raiders were playing a game in Winnipeg, and we didn't expect anything, John. Actually, we did expect something. We expected the starters to play. You know, like Aaron Rodgers. You heard of him? The people of Winnipeg expected that too because they paid money to go to the game. Some people did at least. Um, and, you know, they're just basic things you expect when you watch a football game. Like, I expect it to be in a 100-yard field. <laughs> I have never even imagined that I would watch NFL teams. I, if you had told me, well, here are the options. Uh, we could play it on an 80-yard field. I would have said to you, well, they're not doing that. They're definitely just going to cancel the game. But that's not what they did. They played. They moved up the uh, pylons, and they played on an 80-yard field. I don't even – I don't know. I don't even know if I have the energy to talk about this. I I, I don't really, just because I, I I get I left it all out on the field last night. It, <laughs> it, it's it's easily one of the let's most inspire let's inspire each yeah, other. Yeah, it's one of the most embarrassing nights I remember for a game situation that I ever remember in the NFL. And, and to me, but the, John, what about other fields that have been bad? What about other games that have been? Canceled? I'd say here's the major difference is. The Mexico City one, they, they know they're playing with fire there. Like, that's not that shocking to them. And what did they do? They pivoted easily. They just fucking played the game in L.A. It wasn't that big a deal. You know, they're like, okay, we can't play there. Boom, we're in L.A. Why? Because the league runs it. Uh, the, the Canton-Ohio thing, it's kind of a unique deal. They play there every year. The field was fucked up. They didn't play it. What did they do, remember? They, all the players lined up. I think it was Rodgers that year, and they were signing autographs. They made it like a cool thing. It sucked, but I thought the league pivoted pretty well. You know, because don't you remember them kind of walking around? They're, what could you do once you cancel the game? You just have the players fuck with the kids, and it was cool. I mean, as cool as it could have been. Shitty situation, but they play every year in this weird stadium. They're, they're, whatever. The, the only reason, guy, the only reason they were in Canada was because of the Raiders. 
The Raiders chose to go there. We found the article last night. They saved 500, let me repeat, $500,000 to go play a game in Canada. Winnipeg, I I don't, is that on the West Coast, East Coast? I don't don't even fucking know where it is. Neither did that one guy from the Raiders who had the wrong Winnipeg (laughs) shirt on. So you play. He had Manitoba, it was supposed to be Alberta, or the And then it was a double whammy. One, the field was very sketchy. Is that like going to Pittsburgh, California and claiming Pittsburgh, PA? Probably. How dare you? Probably. That's a good one. But they, they go there. The, the most basic, like, fundamental part of CFL is their fields are a different size. I was texting with our buddy uh, Travis Brown, played at Fresno State, who's now coaching in the CFL. He's like, yeah. Was, he laughed because I, I took, like, a, I took an Insta story of a touchdown that scored at the 10-yard t- line. It was funny. And he's like, yeah, I was wondering, like, how, what they're going to do. Our dimensions are different. Obviously, the end zones are famously longer, right? The, the goal post is like seven yards in, and I think the end zone is 20 yards. Maybe it's 18 yards, whatever. But the field is also wider. So the fields right. are – it's not like, well, we're going to go play a game, uh, uh, a FIBA game in Spain. Well, the only difference, guys, dimensions are the same. The three-point line is either farther or shorter or whatever. It's like, and the lane has a different shape. That's like a subtle difference. The actual dimensions of the rectangle are the same. So they had to mess with it. And clearly, the one thing you'd say, well, what are we going to do about the hole in the middle of the end zone? Which was a massive problem. And the thing that I thought was interesting was, was Gruden just refused to like take the L? He blamed them. He said they refused to play. We thought it was good. It's like, John, there was a fuck. Wait, wait, wait. They refused to play on a 100-yard field. Yeah, they refused to play on the normal field. We were okay with of it. Of course they refused to play on a 100-yard field. There's a hole in the end zone. I know. Well, John thought it was stable enough. And they thought, no fucking way. Of course, but so that's like, John, are you being that big of a company man on this one? There was a legitimate hole in the field. No one really argued it. Even the NFL came out and said, yeah, we thought it was good yesterday. Today, we didn't feel as comfortable with it. Like, you guys played a real game where you were charging people the cheapest price to get in was $72. Then the starters, the Packers benched 33 players. Pretty clear Derek was going to play. They scratched that. Like, you embarrassed the Packers. You drugged the Packers into your clown show. So you embarrassed the league, which I, I can't imagine the league was super happy about it today because they're taking a bunch of unneeded criticism over nothing. Like, you guys signed up for this. You were the ones that wanted to play at the Giants Stadium. You guys are the ones that fucking wanted to come to Canada. It's your fucking problem. You know? I mean, Cronky, whether we set it up or Cronky set it up, they went to Hawaii, no issues. Boom. Played a game in Hawaii, come home. Right? <laughs> You know why? Yeah, I saw because Hawaii a, has a normal sized field, guy. They, the college team plays on the goddamn field. The uh, there's a local article in Winnipeg columnist, and essentially what he wrote was, I mean, he was pretty angry. His column was pretty angry. I only got to read like three or four paragraphs because then it wanted me to give him an email. But it was basically I, my guess is at some point in the article he probably should have said if he didn't, and he might have, there should be refunds handed out because this is a jo- this was. It's offensive to the consumer that I that I pay to come to this, and because if you'd canceled the game, I, I would have got a refund. Now you could argue why you going to this game to begin with, but you cancel the game, I get a refund. I should get a refund. I did not watch a football. This is not. Here's the other thing. This is not like outreach. <laughs> if that was outreach, it failed, right? International outreach, utter failure. I didn't get to see Aaron Rodgers. Like, because here's one thing you know. Yes, I'm buying preseason tickets, but I know when I buy preseason tickets. For the third game, there's a chance I'm going to see starters. 
So that's part of the promise when you buy tickets for that. Especially, guy, the game was on Thursday night. So if you were thinking, like, you're on the fence and you're kind of following, especially the Packers, you go, God, they're planning on playing Aaron Rodgers. They were talking that way, like, Monday, Tuesday. So you go, okay, I'll pay the – I'll take my kid, $200 tickets, whatever. And then I get there and that happens. You're right. Not only do I deserve uh, a refund, I deserve a fucking apology. And the league should make the Raiders, like – release a public apology. I, and people are going to be... I'm, how do, I, I'm serious. I don't understand I, how people on Twitter defend this one. Like, I don't well, I, get... I, like, I actually laugh got, a about ton of D, I got a ton of DMs from Raider fans that were like, Middlecoff, I can't believe the shit you're taking on Twitter. This is a joke. This is... A, and, and a couple guys were like, I'm, I'm a Raider fan and I had to change the television. I, I got a lot of DMs Good, like good. That. Then let's not even focus on the other no, stuff. No, because I think that. it's booger-eating losers that are just looking for a fight. Like, that, there is no way around it that was... But, why are you picking on us? I'd say it's one of the biggest embarrassments. John, there was a touchdown scored at the eight yard line, yeah. at the ten yard line. Somebody scored a touchdown. It's it's the biggest. It might be a top five Raider moment in my career of being around them. Might be one. You could argue it was one. Just given like the other team said, "What the fuck?" No, and then and then for them to kind of be defensive about it. Like, is that was that a fireable offense? I mean, that's pretty bad, guy. Well, how, the other part is like, how is this? How is Thursday the first time anyone goes? You know what? We're not playing on this. What I wonder if you're the league, people are like Middlecoff, you're just you're just going after him. How how can you possibly feel good about them moving? Like they they can't well, ha- they can't handle happen. basic shit, guy. They just can't do basic things. They struggle with everything, non football wise. And I tweeted this. I feel bad for Gruden. Gruden's in a tough spot. Definitely Mayock and the players. They deserve better than this. This is, I, this is my Mark Davis statement. I, I hold no ill will for the football management and definitely the players. They deserve better. That's a, that's a slap in their face. But that is an all-time operational embarrassment last night. That, 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 is, that defines why everyone picks on the Raiders because they do shit like that. <laughs> I mean, it's It's incredible. Even I, and I follow a bunch of Packer people like Aaron Nagler, and then just a bunch of people that follow the Packers. We're like, this is insane. Our, our fucking guy, our first round pick is dropping. What what are we doing for a life scrimmage with the Raiders? What the fuck is going on here? Packer Packer people were hot, as they should be. Yeah, because t- like their thing is like, well, yeah, thirty three guys didn't play, but a bunch of dudes did play. And what if you're one of those guys and you step in a hole? I saw a good tweet. I liked it last night. I have to go look. It, it was basically from an, the Sports Center producer, and he tweeted, he tweeted, Packer fans. I don't want to fucking ruin the tweet. I don't know. If, okay, this is a good one. This guy run. This guy's the main producer, I think, for SVP. Packer fans okay. getting a look at what it's like when the NFL fundamentally disrespects your organization. So he's basically saying they got drug in. The way I read that is the team they give a fuck about the least, the Raiders. Right, they just got scheduled to play a weekly Yeah, I mean, they, they could have easily been scheduled to play like right the Steelers or whatever, and they would not have ever known this. But they got scheduled this, so they're like, okay, where are we playing? Because they were either coming to Oakland, they say, no, you actually get to go to meet us in Saskatchewan or Winnipeg or wherever. the Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, the same thing, or those separate places. Uh, so he's just, One of our Canadian yeah, listeners. Sorry. So meet them up there and... The Packers had to see firsthand who are, you know, you'd say the Packers are a first-class citizen in the league, obviously, the way they rate, the what they mean to the league. Despite being a small, small little market, they are treated, they're one of the Yankees, right? 
They they just mm-hmm. they get that treatment right there with the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Steelers, the Patriots. Like they are, the league will throw them and Rodgers. Fucking they'll ride them to the to the promised land. The Raiders are the last team they think about. Literally the last team because it's a double whammy. One, they have no money and the league has to hold their hand. And two, they suck all the time. Like you'd be like, well, the Bengals. Yeah, the Bengals have been good. Like I've seen them a lot on Monday Night Football over my adult life. <laughs> I've seen a lot of Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton. Games. Well, and they've had one executive that runs the organization well for a long time. Marvin Lewis. Oh, Mike Brown. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he, you got to give him some I mean, that, yeah, See, that's my reaction, too. Like, I used to make fun of him, but it's like you can't deny they're competitive every few years. They draft good players. I mean, I used to think that well, same re- way about them. Well, here's the thing. It's really Cleveland and the Raiders, but Cleveland is just staying in Cleveland. So they're not doing a bunch of weird shit. So you just they just play their games in Cleveland, whatever. Maybe they're on at 10 a.m. for all season. But they're, they're just staying in Cleveland, and their owner has a bunch of money. Now, whether he stole that from, you know, white-collar you know, white crime, whatever, that's questionable. But you just, they just stay there, and they just play games in Cleveland, and most of the time they suck. The Raiders are always, like, suing the league, trying to move to, like, seven different places. They have all these ideas about doing things that are just off the wall, and people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then you drag the Packers. You drag the Packers last night, who I watched – uh, LaFleur's press conference two things I red flag him because he's already a little uptight high tent like just Matt calm down buddy but he was clearly pretty mad at the way this all played out and he was pissed off just that they ultimately had to play and I don't blame him like you did fly there so you want to get something out of it but then you can't put your players in harm's way and then you actually lose a player who's your first rounder just a shit show guy and it just you couldn't have that shit show without the Raiders. Like, they define the shit show. Like, that's, this is not, hey, hey, Raider diehard fan, if you're mad at me, right? this is not an agenda or anything. These are just facts. Like, this is just the truth. I, again, you should feel bad for your players. You should demand well, more. By the way, Mort, part of the conversation with Russillo was Mort saying they didn't have the money to play. This is not new news, but he's reiterating, said this thing that's been argued. They didn't have the money to pay Khalil Mack, basically. Because you had to have $90 million on hand. And he also said, like, they didn't give... The, the actual cash they gave to Antonio Brown, they gave him a million dollars. They're giving him other money. And like he says, scheduled payments. Like, we have, we have scheduled payments, for example, for the ads. And the way their ad cycle payment goes. So if I'm, let's say, just do basic math. If, I'm, if I spend... If I need to spend $10,000 right now, because I know I'm getting a $10,000 check... Well, if I'm not getting the $10,000 check till October 1st and I spend it on August 23rd, I got a problem, right? I have that money coming to me, but I don't actually have the money now. And that's always been the Raiders' problem is because of all the teams in the league, their only revenue source is the money the league gives them. And the league doesn't just cut, and they do it on a payment plan, right? You get, it's probably pretty incredible, even if it's like, five payments of $50 million. Like, whoa, right. that was a sweet direct deposit. But if you're, Jerry's like, has all these other revenue streams. It's like, well, for me, if I needed the 10,000, well, I got the Coward podcast, got the athletic stuff, got a bunch of other revenue where you, you're calling games, you got Pac-12. If you only have the one revenue stream, it's just basic, basic fucking math. If you're a human and you're on salary, if you make $100,000, your payments never change. Now, if you're a worker and you got, well, I got two rental properties, so I got these checks guaranteed every month. I got this stock investment that pays me usually around 8% every month. 
and I got my money. Well, then you got three or four revenue streams. That's basically what an NFL organization is. These Except are not the conversations that happen in the NFL. No, because everyone has an unlimited amount of money. These are baseball conversations. Right? Well, but we're not used to having these in football. But in but in, in, in baseball, when you have these conversations, guess what the fans, guess who they get mad at? They don't get mad at the media who tells them their team doesn't have money. They get mad at their owner for not spending money. Well, think, That's who they get mad at. Th- think about this. Right? Yeah, 100%. If, if you needed, like... If you made $100,000, you're a married man, you live in San Francisco, your cash reserves would be nowhere near if I was your neighbor and I was also a married guy, but I made $3 million a year. Who would be able to save up more cash You know, over like a five-year period of time? I would have, if I was not an idiot, infinitely more money if I was able to, let's just say, bank $200,000 a year in my savings account. By five years, I'd have a million bucks where you might have like, $5,000 where it's just Jerry has all the like Apple. Why do they, why are their cash reserves so high? Well, cause they're, they're making so much goddamn money on like 10 different platforms. Jerry's making, it's Jed's the same way. The Levi's deal guarantees him 20 a year. His sponsorship deals are at another 10, his season tickets, boom, boom, boom. And you're like, fuck that's before the two fifty. So I'm already at a owning your own, owning your stadium. Is part of what you're talking about. Well, that's why the, the, the Raiders will tell you why we had to go to Vegas. And even Mort said, yeah, well... The, they might they might be right. The problem is they're already so far in the hole because they're coming with nothing. So they have no extra money. They're actually in the hole because they had to spend so much. Then they owe the league money over a 10-year period of time to move. They owe the big nut on the separate from the 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 money that the... Uh, that the city gave them. So it's like, it's not like they just, Oh, we'll just cut a couple checks. We'll be even. And then boom, we'll start cashing checks. Like, it's not going to be when you're super poor and you overextend yourself. Even if someone gives you a little loan, it's, it's still difficult. You know, that they have to be for it to crush in Vegas Two things: You're going to have to be good so that they're going to need to be good for people to give a fuck. We've seen that just probably in any market, but definitely a new market. And two, like, where have they ever proven they know what they're doing when it comes to generating cash? They, they, they've proven over and over they're shitty at it. The one time they did something well was this Vegas thing, and it turns out, well, Jerry fucking held their hand. Jerry was the guy that called Bank of America when it fell through. So it's like, does Jerry going to have time when he's dealing with Zeke and Rocky and Cabo to hold Mark's hand in two years when it's like, well... You know, so as someone tweeted me, it's so ideal. That of course, they got Allegiant Airline to be their sponsor. You know, of all the fucking, all the major companies in America, they probably did because that's an easy one for them. Well, Jerry probably would have gone after like, who'd he get? AT&T. I don't know. You just, it's just very Raiders already. Wait till Jerry put that deal together and then is practicing in Napa. Yeah, I just think that, and this is where I get back to, I, I, it's just what an uphill battle that Derek has to climb as a starting quarterback for the Oakland. Well, Raiders. honestly, and 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 Gruden and Mayock. So basically, what Morton had said is like, I think John knew what he was getting into, but then immediately figured out like we, especially once the Donald money come, like John, we don't have. Imagine if well, Khalil now knows at minimum it's eighty-seven million dollars, so we have to cut a check the moment we sign him. Now, it doesn't all go to Khalil, but it goes, some goes to escrow. Well, if we don't have that money, it's like, John, we don't have that money. Well, when's the money coming? Well, we have zero, you know, we make nothing off season tickets. We have no money from the stadium. The league check comes in like three weeks, so can we hold it out? And John's like, well, that'll be week three. 
So we're going to play these two games, or we might as well just cut loss right now. That's kind of what he did, I think, when you look back, why it happened. Now, he, yeah. I'll give him credit. I guess when someone pays you $100 million, you might as well just take it on the chin. Like, it was my choice, build the team. As everyone, like, has anyone ever said, like, yeah, I think, you know, trading Khalil Mack, that was the right move. Like, no one's really said that. Because one thing's clear, that even if they would have had Khalil Mack, they, they could have basically done everything they did this offseason. Now, the one thing they wouldn't have had was just that extra first-round pick. But they could have still traded Amari during the season if they were playing shitty. And so they still could have got Antonio Brown. They still could have got Trent Brown. They could have done all these moves. But they, they had a lot of money. They, they weren't paying that many people. And I'm pretty sure on the Antonio Brown thing, that especially this year, the Steelers, like that 19, whatever his dead cap is or his cap number, the Steelers took a hit on some of that because they had paid it out kind of like Odell Beckham to the Browns. Because once you pay the bonus, you incur the hit no matter what. That's why it's like you never want to pay a guy and then trade him the next year. That's No one wants to do that. Because you've already spent most of the yeah, money on him. Yeah, you give him the bonus. So you either... This, the second year is kind of the low cost year. Yeah, you trade like the Chiefs. If they were like, well, worst case, we just got to keep D Ford. Well, then you can't pivot next year and trade him. So you just trade him now. Because under no circumstances, once you sign them, you're just kind of in bed with them. A good organization for a couple of years. Right. That's why the Belichick move and Roseman move, and uh, the Niners are good at this. That you you can only sign a contract like you once you do sign a relative any contract over like 25 guaranteed. You are with this player at minimum for the two or three years, right? Like it was clear, like the Dolphins by year one, you're like, eh, the Dominican Sioux is not quite what we thought, but we got to write it out. <laughs> it's just like, this, we're just going to make it work for a couple Yeah, years. even if he's barely replacement level, well, from here on out, that cash is actually replacement level. That, that's where like Rosillo was asking more because you, while you don't owe him any more money in terms of like you can get out without paying it, don't because you've paid him already $7 million, you want to make sure that this is the right thing, you know? Yeah, well, that's where if he plays 16 games this year, that's almost double as many games as he's played in his entire career. Well, that, total. that's so where, like, starts. with Derek, now under this contract, this will be his third year under the deal, so you'll have a bigger body of work. That's the thing about Jimmy. Like, his body of work is just small. Derek, I, I'm really starting to think, and I know Lewis has been talking about this, I, I think Derek's going to play pretty well this year. I just like the way he's kind of – it's just his confidence in his play. I and I think they're going to be much more balanced running the ball. I actually believe in the offense. It's going to be pretty good. Assuming that Antonio is just Antonio and doesn't quit or something in the middle of the year. Right, right. Because they just they are a pretty talented guy. They, their offensive line, the Josh Jacobs kid's good. I mean, Jalen Rashard. Do you know Jalen Rashard has averaged 64 catches his three years? That's your backup mm-hmm. running back who's really good. And then DeAndre Washington's pretty solid. Their receivers are good. I think they could be pretty good on offense. Now, they're one, they, I mean, they have a massive kind of question mark that their left tackle, there's a chance he's not that good, right? And they, like, their first two weeks, he Colton Miller goes up against Bradley Chubb and then Frank Clark. So, if he, let's just say he actually isn't good, he, he could just ruin their entire plans. Like, if those guys have, let's say, like, ten pressures through two games and, mm-hmm. and four sacks, where Derek's just running, throwing the ball away, you could just he, he could ruin everything. But that's a great. That's I think why you overpay Trent Brown. So you go okay. So we'll go into this game. We'll just always put a tight end over there to help him. Did you, by the way, when Trent Brown was talking to AB and Hard Knocks? Do you remember that scene when he came back? Where you realize, like, well, just seeing Trent Brown next to other people 
that are professional football players is pretty eye-opening. Big dude. He is so humongous. And then he walks away and he's standing next to Richie, and he's a head taller than Richie. He's massive. I mean, he is so freaking massive. Pretty nuts when you just see the physical human. That guy went in the seventh round. It shows you how many red flags he had coming out. Because you'd be like, well. And he's on his third team. And he's on his third team. Like, can you imagine if third he was just. Four, yeah, yeah, third, third. team. Just. If he, let's just say he was a good guy and just kind of tried a little harder than I think people thought. How does that guy make it past like the second round guy? Well, he doesn't. No. He doesn't make it out of the first. Pretty wild. All right, some other NFL headlines. Uh, I, really uh, quick on him. Uh-huh. He can make Kyle and Belichick look a little wrong if he goes on to have a dominant career with the Raiders, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely. I think he's kind of headed that way. I'm actually th- I'm kind of buying. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I, I think he's going to be pretty good. And he, uh, okay, yeah, I, a lot of headlines. Uh, I guess just things going on. Like, for example, Friday, if you're, if you're listening to this on Friday, there's two games tonight. Cleveland plays the Bucks. Kind of want to watch Cleveland. Interested to see the Bucks. Niners' first opponent. The Bills play the Lions. So those are two Friday night games. Uh, and they're both on TV nationally. I think one's on CBS, one's on NFL Network. Saturday morning, actually, at 10 a.m., there's a game. Cardinals at Vikings on NFL Network. So that's just a handful. I mean, there's, then there's a bunch of other. There's a couple of the nationally televised games. The Niners game is not one on Saturday night. We'll see it, but uh, in the Bay Area. Uh, so there's some of that. Just there's a little schedule. I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of those games, but well, I, my problem is, is I used to love this week just because it would give you a taste on all these teams. I, I mean, you're gonna you might flip on a game and the starters aren't in. It's just so hit or miss. Yeah, I mean, to league. me, Kyler, I'd be kind of interested if Kyler plays. I just want to see Kyler. Well, he'll play. He'll also, play. Zimmer will play his guys. What other teams did you mention tonight? The Browns? Like I, Browns, Bucks, so Bills, o- Odell Lions. probably not playing, but Baker should get some snaps. Lions, they're kind of a wild card. The Bucks, I, I think we'll see some Jameis. Yeah, I mean, actually, we might see a decent amount of the good players. You know what I was thinking last night while I was watching football and Home Alone? Is the preseason is a lot like you were home alone, um, or you were watching home alone? I was home alone, and I was watching football. Okay, and I was watching A's, Yankees. But um, preseason football is a lot like when you don't have a lot of food in your fridge, but you're hungry. Yeah, because I made probably 17 trips to the kitchen between the hours of like 3:15 and 7:30 yesterday, and every time I came out with like a few more crackers and <laughs> some cheese. And maybe a little ice cream and some frozen pasta shells. And it's like I keep going back to the same fridge, opening it and just staring at it, even though I know there's really nothing there that I like. I'm not making a salad. You're di- that you're, wasn't you are, you are just dying to open the fridge and just see like an Ike's hot sandwich or something. Oh, shit. <laughs> Who left the deli sandwich in here? Like you just like, oh, my God, we're getting Brady versus Wentz. Like Whoa, there was some leftover pizza hidden behind that milk. I didn't know it. Yeah, you're just dying for that move, even though every time you walk back there, you 1,000% know I was just there and I know there's nothing in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, now, the worst case is like the the Raider uh, Packer game is the equivalent of my fridge right now. There's a Gatorade, a couple Gatorades, some like uh, the Starbucks little shooters, uh, the light ones, and some old ass uh, lettuce and like a ketchup oh. bottle that probably has 10% left. That, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Nothing like the optimism when you buy some lettuce. No. It will, do you know how many bags of lettuce 
It's like you're married and she will make the salad, but you're right. A salad is, it's easier to make meat or anything than a salad. A salad does take just some time, some patience. I honestly, I end up making the salad a lot because it's the easiest thing that somebody can do, and I like to feel like I contributed something. Sometimes. But it does take a little effort. You're going to cut up the carrots. You're going to cut up some well, stuff. The worst is like I get a pick. If there's some slimy lettuce, you got to work through. That's the worst. Ugh, I, you have no clue how many bags of lettuce. The two things I throw away the most: bags of lettuce and just chicken breasts. Because I'm like, ah, oh, I don't really feel like chicken. Ah, oh, I don't really feel like chicken. And then you're like six days in, you're like, I can't eat this. Like you got to eat the chicken within the first couple days. Right, and then, right. and then a couple times I realized, well, I'm not going to eat this. And I throw it in the freezer. If you went to my freezer right now, you'd see a bunch of frozen vegetables, obviously uneaten. And then like three chickens that are just chicken breasts that I should have eaten three days in that have been there for six months, eight months, nine months. And I'm like, oh, I'll just reheat it sometime down the line. No. I'm, I'm going to go. Actually, when I'm done this, I'm going to go throw it in a trash bag and throw them out. All right. There you go. And don't go buy more. Okay. Here, here's what I – one thing that jumped out to me. I was thinking about texting today, but I forgot. Is I think uh, flip, not the necessarily the Jags offense because the the drive I saw they didn't go three and out, but they drove a little and then Foles like threw a ball that was almost picked. But Leonard Fournette guy, who last year was pretty bad, looked fat, slow, looks good. I mean, skinny, fast, a couple times lowered his shoulder, and one he kind of ran over DB another. He didn't necessarily run over the guy. It was just a massive collision, and Len Leonard like jumped back up. You're like, God, this guy is running angry. And say, at the end of the day, didn't love the pick, but if he's going to look like that, like if he does max out his potential, he was a talent, right? I mean, top recruit, LSU, three and done. You you could say, would you say an un, an NFL underachiever so far? But you can't like he is un, top pick. uniquely talented. What'd he go? Fifth overall? Yeah, fourth, I think. Fourth? Yeah, D.D. Westbrook, Westbrook, I think, had a touchdown in the game. Uh, I think it was D.D. that caught it on a nice pass from Foles. Yeah, I like I, – I kind of enjoyed watching the Jags yesterday. Um, how about the play that uh, Josh Rosen made? I mean, play of the preseason? Seriously. I mean, running all over the place. I, You know, he didn't start, obviously. Uh but it, if, it, if it's magic star, it does but. feel like Josh has made a lot of lot of hay over the last couple of weeks, doesn't it? I did feel like watching him that he just looked comfortable. Yeah, just like hey, this is the situation. I'm just going to make the most. You want to hear my prediction? Yeah, I think Josh Rosen starts week one because I think it's at the point now where it's so close that could you argue do the organization a disservice to not just let him sink or swim to know what you got? I mean, you got this you kind of were gifted this player that I think you could argue that. Yeah. And I think I, w- I would argue and that. Fitz knows what he's you know, Fitz has no problem being the backup. That's why you like Fitz around cuz he's you can tell him either one. Fitz you're the starter, good, I'm good to go. Fitz you're the backup, I got Josh back. Let's roll. Like he's the ideal guy. Same with McCown. Like those that's why those humans are worth a couple extra million. You're like you know they can function. Shows you how good Josh McCown is as a backup. Like he's how many backups are better than him right now? Even out of like off the couch, five. Like he's and he's not really a full time starter, but he's just way better in the back. Same with Fitz. I think you got to start Rosen, and I, I actually think they will. What if Rosen is good? I I'm rooting for Josh. I think I think most people are because I get a lot of people tweeting me like not only am I rooting for Josh, I'm rooting for Kyler to fail. I'm like you know I kind of am too. Yeah, but but I but I, but I don't really. There is something about Kyler like he just comes off a little arrogant that 
I wouldn't mind a little humble pie, but I also enjoy watching that. You know, and just a guy running around making plays. Yeah. I'm torn. How about uh, one thing that happened during that game was uh, there was a, Aaron Andrews did a report about, you know, like every coach, you coach with Bill, you bring the, the Patriots way to your new organization. And I guess she talked to uh, Eric Rowe, who had played with the Patriots and is now on the Dolphins. Chip Kelly draft pick. Who, who said that uh, – oh, that's right. He was in Philly. Who said that uh, now teammates are coming up to Eric Rowe saying, now we see why you guys won so much in New England. And I watched that just like, I mean, these guys, there are not a lot of historians on this team. I'm pretty sure like Mangini and Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell tried to take the same system with them. Like, I might be a little early to start proclaiming now we see why you won in New England. See, I think there's a, but, I think there's a balance of can you be yourself while implementing the system? And you'd say all those guys tried and failed. Because they try to be Belichick day one, where I, I don't know. Now this guy's Jay Z move, you could argue, like was a little unneeded. Like I, I would say that Belichick would never have done that, but yeah. I don't think he'd care. But I might not. But I also you could argue that Brian Flores is thirty nine years old, kind of a younger move. You know, like fuck you. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you liked what he had to say after the game. It was whatever. It was fine I, with me, but. It didn't bother me, but I, I thought he kind of brought the unnecessary attention on himself with the Jay-Z move, but you could argue, you know what? In the end, he handled it. He created a controversy, but he navigated the controversy to this point, so that's going to be part of the job in the NFL when you're a head coach. Um, I mean, the only thing that matters is can he coach. But, but I think right? what, I, what I loved about his message guy was it was twofold. Kenny won. I'm not your, like, I don't look like your typical head coach, Kenny. I'm a black dude. I, I, I lived what you guys are fighting. Like, I, it resonates with me as a human. Family immigrants, grew up poor as shit, fucking experienced it, lived it, lived what you guys are talking about. Where's his family from? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think also, like, I'm the fucking boss, and this is a football team. So you can give me, like, I, I, we don't do distractions with New England. That's the one thing we don't do. Now you could argue, well, Brian, you made another distraction doing that, but I think maybe he had to do the extra distraction just to quell it, just to pump the brakes on it, because like there is a balance, and I think Rivera fights this with with Eric, is that just Eric now you could argue, well, he's always getting asked about it, and the media plays a role in this for sure, but it just always comes up when it's just like we just need a fo- it's so hard to win a game in this league just to get all of our focus. And not having players to answer other questions, even though we all support this. It's it's a hard balance. I don't know if there's a right answer, but I, I just thought it was impressive for a young coach to kind of bring the message of like, guys, I'm not anti your message here. Like look look at me. I I look like most of you guys here. It's happened to me. You know. But I'm here to win football. But our our goal here is like and I like what he said, like, Kenny, you gotta get open. So we can make this, but you if you're gonna if you're gonna be the the message messenger on this like, you better be dominating. Like, I better, like, you can't, like, there's no half in. That's where we're going to agree. That's where we're going to have problems. Like, you got to keep making plays because you are, Kenny, you're one of our best players. And, you know, say what you want about, like, I'll give Eric Reed credit. He went to Carolina. He played well. And he has played well. Like, he played well. For, he's a solid NFL player. So, that's, there's, it's a hard balance. That's why Belichick hates distractions, just because it takes away from football. That's the goal of the NFL is football. And that's where I think a lot of people struggle with this. And it's probably more the media because I don't think most people give a shit anymore. But it, it just is what it is. 
But the thing is, for Flores, and he'll realize it's not really over because he'll kneel or, you know, it just the cycle never kind of ends. It's hard to stop it. Oh, just getting asked about the questions and just talking about it. I think his overall point is, I just want to talk about football. That's what all these coaches want. Just football, football, football. That's, and that the reality is people get mad at it all they want. Like, that's all they want to talk about. That's their business, you know? It's like if you went to fucking Goldman Sachs, they want to talk about stocks. Just Yeah, I, I just... Look, ultimately, if we're talking about football, I wonder if playing the music for Kenny Stills as a challenge to him is having the right feel that I'd want a head coach to have. So I'm not out on him. I'm not saying that, but but I also think to I, me it wasn't the first great chess move. I would tend to agree. If it was a white guy, I think he might have got crushed. But I think he kind of doubled yeah, down. Like, what are you guys going to say to me? I guess sure. You know, and I was like. Yeah, he kind of. I thought he kind of went mic drop. Like you guys have kind of been crushing me. Like I'm anti this movement because I'm, you know, Stephen Ross's mouthpiece. Because he's because that's basically what it kind of became. Like it felt like mm-hmm. he was in Ross's camp. No shit. Who's his boss? <laughs> that's where I think I lose. You lose me at like he's just getting Ross's back. Do you know what pisses me off really quick about social media is that all these people freak out about that. You've been in some offices. I've been in some offices. No one, unless you are either in with an owner of whatever business you work for, most people act a little differently to their boss and support their boss than they even probably think they should or want to. That's the reality of life. And every person that's critical of Flores about like Stephen Ross, you do the same thing. We all kind of do. Who You don't bite the hand that feeds you in life. It's just the reality. Once it comes to money and feeding your family, that's welcome to America. Uh, yeah, but I'd say playing the Jay Z song goes beyond. No, but I, I like just having your. But guys I'm just back. talking about in general that, like, yeah, you know, I I would imagine that it's kind well, of well, yeah. I mean, I think it's always easy to tell somebody else how they should stand up for whatever your cause is. And that's what Brian Flores says. Like, I am the co- like I'm in the cause. <laughs> like, this is my life. Well, look, it's like I for me, it's some part of this gets a little complicated. What well, to me is because and it gets treated like it's. I don't know. It, it, There's no middle I agree. Ground on this. Is, is, is there a chance that it was Stephen Ross's idea to play the songs? No. You don't think so? Because I was going to lean. Maybe there was. And Brian Flores just went. Well, I mean, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say no. There's no chance. But I doubt that Stephen Ross got involved in that. You don't think so? No. I. If you is there a chance? Yes. Do I think Stephen Ross told Brian Flores play Jay Z at practice? Seven no, straight songs. Or eight straight songs. I don't think he told him to do that. Okay, because I would say then that would be... Can you imagine being the guy who is in charge of the playlist and Brian is comes to you and like, hey, Gary. I need 99 I'm problems. I'm going to play seven yeah. straight Zays. I need getting... Here's a playlist, and Gary's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. we're fucking doing this? I need Welcome to Atlanta. I need... God damn it, Gary. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to get somebody else that will. Give me 99 problems remix. <laughs> if anybody, and if anybody looks at you funny, you play it again. What if his first song, like, he looks over and he hears, like, living on a prayer, and the dude went off, he's like, I couldn't do it! <laughs> well, don't you think the second it started playing, like, guys started looking at the dude playing the music? Yeah, that's probably, well, maybe, I would imagine the one song, just because it's just a song. I would imagine by, like, the... I don't know, man. I, you're right, some people might have, like, perked up. But by like the third straight song, people started talking, right? I, I think it, I think as it would go, because you know the way people are. Sometimes you're not really paying attention if you hear right, it's kind of white yeah. noise. But like the seventh straight Jay-Z song, you're like, this is insane. 
especially if constantly if you go to a practice. Hey, I'm just I'm just playing album. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just an album guy. It just you know it's the algorithm. I don't know. I just pressed us. Uh, I, I pressed mix. Yeah. So one one other one. I got this guy red flagged because I think he's really feeling himself right now. Is Pat Shermer. And Pat Shermer, well, I'm so glad you, that was the next. He kind of said last night, like maybe it's he. I don't have the exact quote, but this is how, if I remember correctly, maybe it's time to stop asking me what I think about Daniel Jones and start asking the people that didn't like him what they think about him now. It was like Pat, one of the players on the Giants who's probably trying to make the team, tweeted out this picture of him. He made this great kind of catch on the sideline, and I retweeted it last night. Guy, the defensive back. The, the Giants, the couple teams they've played, it's fantastic. The, the couple yes. teams they've played have not played their starters, so they're they are they're playing backups. So Daniel Jones is not starting. So Eli plays the backups. By the time Daniel Jones is excelling, and his numbers have been like ten for fourteen, one hundred and fifty, like preseason lines, really impressive. He is playing third string fringe practice squad UPS drivers. The play from the DB guy. The dude was turned around, looking the wrong way. Like, I've seen enough fucking practice squad level football player. That guy is a lock to get cut, and I'd be shocked if he makes a practice squad. How? I mean, that guy was in a different world. It'd be one thing if he was waiting there to tackle him or something like a, you know, just got beat. Okay, that's normal. The dude was in the white on the other side, like where a photographer would be, looking the wrong way with his arms, like, wide open. I mean, come on, guy. You, there's... And I saw a couple of people tweeting this. Like, we got to put Daniel Jones's numbers into a little bit of context. Like, he is not playing starters. If he had been playing with the ones because they're just sitting Eli till the regular season, I would put a lot more stock into it. But I think we need to hardcore pump the fucking brakes on him making throws when the DB is in a pretzel on on the over by a pylon ten feet away when he's supposed to be covering the guy. Yeah, I don't understand why in that market in particular, given the way that situation's gone, you would give fuel to a fire like this. Well, because and ignore I think he, the con- I think he took a lot of ignore shit. the context. He took a ignore lot of shit. Ignore the context. God, they took a Why would you ignore the context? Because, because he took so, of what's that? They took so much yeah, shit. Well, no, I mean I get why you would do it. I'm just saying like they got it's a, shit it's, it's on. such and I, it's one thing when a 22-year-old player miscalculates because you know, we've watched the media for however long we've watched it. We know how most of these times, you know how stuff is going to work and how it's going to play out and what the cycle is going to look like. But a 22-year-old player maybe hasn't been in that environment and they're not old enough to have watched quarterbacks get built up and torn down and all that shit over the course of multiple years. But a coach who's been in the NFL, who should be aware of what that market, I mean, really every market's a national market, so it doesn't quite matter as much, but it's still that market. You're going to start pounding your chest because this guy's playing third stringers? Ah. I, I don't. And here's the other thing, dude. If you're so sure he's great, then how do you in the end keep – then why isn't he the starter? Because well, like, he answered, he answered the other day. You've heard the owner talk. I answered the owner. The owner wants him starting. That's how he's answered it. Like, why are you making this, this situation more complicated? Because think about this. You're not helping Eli. You're not helping Dan. No. Did you see the picture last night of the scrum and Eli getting dressed right next to him? It was just the ultimate. Like, Eli's putting on his pants where there's 50 people around Daniel Jones. Wouldn't you say, let's just use like the five-year window. Of all the draft picks slash free agent signings, all sports last five years, I think Daniel Jones would be near the top of what-the-fuck moments of just like 
you know, of every time that you go, they gave him how much or they drafted who where, I think that's near the top, especially when you factor in the team and the market. It was crazy. So they living in that the New York bubble of just hearing it all the time, it was as venomous as it gets, right? So they, they got called village idiots at the highest level by yeah. by everyone, not just Joe right. Blow fan, not some podcast out in the Bay Area, by the, their their by the Francesas, by the NFL net, by everyone, just pulling their pants down and taking a crap on them, and, and no one disagreeing, not a soul going. You guys sure on this one? Are we sure he's not good? No one said that. So I, I, I think there is, you have to be careful when you get right on that. Just let it play out. You'll be okay. I, I think there's an insecurity. Like, are you sure you know? Or are you just kind of being arrogant now for no reason? Now, the one thing I don't, you know, we don't cover the Giants or read about them on an everyday basis. The one thing I've heard is they can just, they can get arrogant fast. You know, because they're the New York fucking Giants, the way they look at it. You know? Like, well, yeah, you guys haven't won. And what's weird is, like, Eli doesn't conduct himself like that. You know what's weird about Eli is, could you say that Eli's the most professional of the group? Well, he, yeah, he operates like Tom Coughlin still as coach. <laughs> but I, I, but it's been a while. I think but he, he's came, had a few I think weird he came co- in wired like that, though. Yeah, that's true. But he was perfect fit for that. Yeah. I, like, you could argue Peyton would have been a, and I think they've even admitted to this, like, Eli's personality, it doesn't get any better for New York. That's why he had yeah. a lot of success. And you could say he's handled the failures as well as anyone can possibly handle the failures given his status in the city. Like he's, is he an all-time legend in New York? Two-time Super Bowl champ, beat Brady twice, and Belichick. Yes. Like he's, he's, I mean, are we putting him on like Mantle? Like when you think of the all-time, Willis Reed, I mean, he's, because he's not an all-time great player. He just had all-time great moments. He kind of has a unique career, right? Because he's not like if he one of the most unique. Because even the years they won the Super Bowl, they weren't. They were, like, they were wild card teams both times. Teams. Like if he so. if he had been a Peyton Manning level player for fifteen years and won two Super Bowls, then he'd be probably like one of their greatest athletes ever, right? Sure. But yeah. it's yeah, the one thing he doesn't have is like he wasn't a great regular season player. Now he did have some good regular seasons. Like he's been to Pro Bowls, but I just think he's handled it. I I respect the shit out of him to be honest with you. I, I actually kind of root for him. Like I, I do too. I, I'm not rooting for Pat Sherman to be right on this. Not because I'm anti Daniel Jones, because I don't like the way he's acting. But I, I'm not rooting for Eli to fail this year. Because I think most people are just to get him out of there. I kind of hope he just. Well, I like any time a guy is washed and then like resuscitates himself. Like that when Twitter thinks a guy is done forever. It ge- and then he's it back. Gets little, and, and it gets a little more difficult part- when you're like 37. Yeah, the other part though is the fact, like the way they handled him with his game. What was that? A game streak or whatever it was. They told they, him he'd get the first quarter or maybe the half, but they were yanking benched him. him against the Raiders. Yeah. Well, remember they said, "Well, you can start. We'll even let you play the first three or four series." But then he's coming in. He's like, what "The fuck are you talking about? I'm I'm out." But then, but then he came back and played the next week. Yeah, because the because they got so embarrassed that the owner yes. told them to. Yeah, right. What a disaster. Um, there's one oh i mean obviously cautiously optimistic is the word on cam as we re- record this pod and, it didn't it didn't uh, look that bad i just saw the clip on no. twitter and then a couple college football games miami florida and you know hawaii arizona like dick Tomey obviously was closely connected yeah. with both died um they they had his family had planned like a 81st or 82nd birthday celebration for him at this game he he passed uh no just like this summer 
uh, in June. So they instead, they, everyone still went, but they spread his ashes in the Pacific. Wow. And his son and his widow are going to be the honorary captains for the game because it's the two teams that he coached. He has a ho- had a house in Hawaii, uh, which he took me to once, which was, I mean, such a nice guy. We did a game together. He had me and the sideline reporter at the house, watched the Giants game, went to dinner. I mean, incredible. And uh, anybody that played for him gets free tickets to the game. Seriously? Where's yeah. the game? It's in Hawaii. You went to his house in Hawaii? We did. We did. Colin Kaepernick. I remember Colin fumbled from outside of the goal line, fumbled into the end zone and hit the pylon. It was a touchback for Hawaii. It was Nevada at Hawaii. Oh, you and, did a game. Uh, this was when he was still in college? This was the year after he left. This was 2010. So it, his last year at San Jose State was 09. 2010, he starts doing TV. We do games on the Wax Sports Network together. We did his first TV game was Fresno State at San Jose State. It was one of the I think it was the night the Giants eliminated the Phillies in the playoffs. Because I remember we stayed in the press box because he was a Giants fan, wanted to watch the game. Throws on a Giants hat, Dick told me. And then we later in the year have a game at San Jose, uh, at Hawaii, and he says, come to the house, we'll hang out, we'll watch some baseball, then we'll go get dinner. I'll show you around. The incredible house. I mean, just beautiful. I'm just looking at the lines right now. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. Uh, they'll be back on the pod next week. Okay. Florida, who finished pretty strong with that Felipe Flank Franks guy, who's also a baseball player, but who wasn't a very good football player, but finished pretty good, is a pretty mm-hmm. big favorite here. The game's at really? Miami. Manny Diaz debut. Yeah, I mean, plus seven. Uh, the Arizona Hawaii game. Arizona's getting eleven. Isn't can Hawaii throw the ball? Oh yeah, Hawaii's good. Their quarterback's good. I kind of like Hawaii in an upset there. I, I don't know enough about Miami, but I heard Bruce said, Feldman said, talk hold, about Miami. Hold on, you said Hawaii's giving eleven or getting they're, eleven? Yeah, they're an eleven point underdog. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like Hawaii too. That's a lot of points for a team that can score. Hawaii's getting eleven points at plus home? eleven. Like that out there is always weird. You know this. Going to Hawaii, it's just. I'll, get, I'll give you challenge. one guy. They're plus three twenty-five to win the game. Why couldn't Hawaii win the game? To me, that feels I like think there's questions about Khalil Tate and the offense. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Arizona's running on all cylinders here. Well, their defense is. Not, I mean, even last year their offense was okay. I mean, relative, it was one of the top half offenses in the league. Might have been top three. But but even when but, Arizona, but was, their defense, they don't stop. Yeah, anybody. even with Rich Rod, the one thing they tell you, they just can't. It's hard for them to recruit that player, right? The guy's just not going there. They're not getting a high level. I don't level. know who they're like. Their receivers, they lost all their receivers. They got two good running backs, though. So are we giving away a lock of the weekend? I like Hawaii in the upset. It's only two games, so you got to pick one of them. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm taking Hawaii. I have no feel for Florida-Miami. Just that it kind of feels like I'm in junior high game again and the game's supposed to matter. Then you watch, you're like, God, this game's not that good. That's how, it, that's how it's been like the last 10 years. La- keep in mind, last game Arizona played, they put up like 41 points on a pretty okay ASU defense. Because they didn't make a bowl. They were they were actually kicking their ass, and ASU came back because they Arizona didn't play in a bowl game last year, right? Right. No, they went five and seven. Is, was Hawaii a winning team last year? Uh, I don't think they were, but I they definitely score points. Well, their quarterback, I think his name is like Colt McDonald or yeah, something. Yeah, like Cole. Cole. Well, isn't there isn't their head coach a former quarterback at Hawaii? Yeah, Nick Rolovich. Remember, he's the one that got mad at Oregon State. Wasn't he the offensive coordinator there when like Tommy was the coach? Or who who was the coach? Or June Jones? Didn't he coach under June Jones? Rolovich? 
Do you remember that? Like when uh, we were at Fresno State? Yeah, he was definitely the OC there. Yeah, so he, he's used to that spread offense running and gunning. He just does what they was did. Greg, was he there with Greg McMacken? I don't know. They could fucking score points. Who was the wide receiver they had that wasn't bad? They went eight and six last year. Greg Salas? Yeah, so I mean they got they got dudes. I I, I like Hawaii for sure in the upset. I might actually might put a hundred bucks down. Plus three twenty five. Uh it took him five OTs to beat San Jose State last year. That's well, right. I mean you just you have some ups and downs when you're you know. It was a road game. Who'd they play in the bowl game? Lost by thirty to Fresno State. Lost by thirty nine to Utah State at home. Uh, bowl game, they um, they lost to La Tech in their bowl game. A lot of people are blowing this Utah State quarterback. Last name Love. Interested to watch him. Might be an NFL guy, sources say. Uh, yeah, people are talking about that guy. I can't remember his first name. Jury's out for me. Granted, I haven't seen him play one bit. Um, okay, I need to eat. I got, I got Phil. Hold on, what's his name? Who, Rolovich? Jordan Love. There you go. All right, go steer in your fridge. See ya. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.